Welcome to a Talk Dorset podcast by Dorset Council. Hello and welcome to the Dorset Council Local Plan podcast. My name's Chris Lee and I'm from the planning policy team. Uh, today I'm here with Ollie Rendell and we're going to talk about climate change in the Dorset Council local plan. Hello Ollie. Hello. Hi, uh, first can you explain to me what climate change is? Well Chris, there's clear scientific evidence to show that climate change is happening and it is due to human activity. This includes increases in average global temperatures and a greater risk of flooding, droughts and heat waves. These changes to the climate represent a real and serious threat to us all, and Dorset has a responsibility to help to tackle this growing danger whilst we can still make a difference. Okay, and how has Dorset Council responded to this? Well, in response to this threat, at its very first full council meeting back in May of 2019, the council took the bold step to declare a climate and ecological emergency. We're therefore taking action to reduce our environmental impact and helping our communities to do the same. Dorset Council is also working on a climate emergency strategy and action plan alongside its partners. You also mentioned an ecological emergency. Yes, that's right. Dorset has also declared an ecological emergency and many of the efforts that the local plan will take in response to mitigating climate change will also assist in ensuring protection of the natural environment and biodiversity to mitigate human impacts on Dorset's sensitive ecological networks and environmental economy. Okay, and how can the local plan help to fight against climate change? Uh, In 2019, the UK became the first major economy in the world to pass laws within the amended Climate Change Act of 2008 to end its contribution to global warming by 2050, requiring greenhouse gas emissions to be brought to net zero by this date. The UK government has recently gone further to aim to reduce 1990 emissions by 68% by 2030, faster than any other major economy which has been described as a colossal target. As well as climate change mitigation, we must also adapt to its effects, and the local plan can help to do this. The local plan is an important council document in the fight against climate change, as it will influence all future development in Dorset for the next 17 years. All planning applications must be agreed against national planning policy, the local plan, and any neighbourhood plans prepared by the community for that area. So you mentioned that the local plan is key for fighting against climate change within the Dorset Council area. What types of actions can the local plan take to help Dorset to mitigate and adapt to climate change? Considerations of climate change run like a thread throughout the local plan. We've identified several key themes from the Dorset Council Climate Change Strategy and Action Plan that the local plan can help towards. So, for example, the local plan can direct development to the most sustainable locations to reduce travel, It can support renewable energy projects, support sustainable travel initiatives such as active travel modes, um, including walking and cycling and the railways. It can help to deliver full fibre, super fast broadband to all new premises, um, incorporate biodiversity net gain and green infrastructure into new developments and strengthen the resilience of communities to key hazards. Okay, great. Uh, How does the overall development strategy contribute towards climate change targets? Well, a central objective of the Dorset local plan is to deliver just over 30,000 new homes in Dorset in sustainable locations. For this reason, we first looked at the towns and built up areas within the top two tiers of the settlement hierarchy as potential locations for housing and employment growth. This has the aim of reducing travel and associated vehicle emissions by concentrating development near to the largest existing centres 
of services, facilities and employment. How will the local plan contribute towards low carbon, decentralised and renewable energy schemes? Energy use is a large contributor to climate change and increasing the amount of renewable sources is key to slow climate change and ensure that the UK has a secure energy supply. So in simple terms, renewable energy is energy obtained from natural processes that is replenished more rapidly than it is consumed. Currently in Dorset, about 5.5% of the energy we use is from renewable energy sources, but there is the potential to do more. And the local plan supports new renewable energy schemes such as solar farms that are sensitively placed and avoid environmental amenity and heritage impacts. Smaller scale renewable energy proposals will be needed to help to meet the national net zero target and may be easier to integrate with Dorset's exceptional natural and built environment. There may be the potential for the growth of energy crops and the use of waste products from agricultural or forestry practices for biomass boilers or for de decentralised uh, renewable energy projects such as combined heat and power schemes. And how about wind energy? Well, we're also looking more deeply into the potential for Dorset to provide wind energy development and we've identified some suitable sites. Providing these are community backing and planning issues associated with them can be resolved. They could go a long way to reducing greenhouse gas emissions in Dorset. So the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change, the IPCC, the United Nations body for assessing the science related to climate change, has found that the use of buildings in the UK accounts for around 35% of greenhouse gas emissions. Can you tell us how the local plan is working towards high standards of environmental performance in buildings? Yes, that's correct. Buildings in the UK account for around 35% of emissions, with approximately two thirds of this being from residential properties and a significant amount being from construction of new buildings. The environmental performance of larger developments will be assessed through a nationally recognised assessment process, um, with each individual building being subject to building regulations. Particular care is required in relation to historic buildings where proposals to improve environmental performance need to be compatible with their heritage interest. Further considerations to reduce energy consumption can involve installation of solar panels on southerly facing roofs, um, maximising natural light and ventilation and minimising overshadow to reduce the requirement for heating, uh, avoiding materials which are most harmful to the environment also. Okay. Uh, the IPCC has identified transport as another key contributor of greenhouse gas emissions in the UK of around 23%. How does the local plan contribute to reducing vehicle emissions and encouraging more active methods of travel than private cars, including walking and cycling? Well, as discussed earlier, addressing the impacts of climate change will be achieved by locating the majority of growth in places of good sustainable transport links and jobs and services, thereby reducing the need to travel by car. This will be further achieved through supporting layouts that encourage walking and cycling and the provision of in infrastructure to support this. Routes for walking and cycling between local facilities, local open spaces and where appropriate the countryside will be encouraged by the plan. Support for developments which creates lively, safe and well-lit public realms, it is hoped will encourage further uptake of walking and cycling. Are the government helping with uh, such initiatives? Yes, this is a national effort and in July 2018 the government set out its ambitions that at least half of new cars would be ultra-low emission by 2030 to help towards the target of a ban of all new petrol and diesel vehicles from 2040. The planning process provides a mechanism to assist in the delivery of the electric vehicle infrastructure.
And how can the local plan support this national effort? Well, the need for infrastructure for electric and other ultra-low emission vehicles is growing to meet the changing transport requirements and technologies. Therefore, all relevant developments should include the necessary infrastructure to facilitate the increase in uptake of electric and ultra-low emission vehicles. This means that car parking spaces should have the necessary underlying infrastructure in place to enable simple installation of a car charging point in the future. And at least 20% of parking spaces in major developments will be fully wired, connected and ready to use. Now, many listeners may ask, why not 100% of car parking spaces? Well, there are many competing priorities within both climate change and other considerations, including the need for affordable housing that constrains viability and means that this figure can't go any further. Okay, thanks for explaining. Uh, You mentioned previously how full fibre broadband will be installed on all new premises. Can you tell us how this aims to help in the fight against climate change? Yes, of course. Um, This aims to enable more people to work from home or for businesses to work more effectively in rural locations, reducing the need to travel further and producing less emissions from vehicle travel. Moving on, can you tell me more about biodiversity net gain and green infrastructure? For example, how does the local plan ensure that all new development incorporates biodiversity net gain to help reverse the current decline in protected species and habitats resulting from the climate change and ecological emergencies? Well, biodiversity net gain is an approach to development that leaves the natural environment in a measurably better state than before. Developers will be required to produce a baseline assessment of the biodiversity currently present on the site and then estimate how proposed designs will increase that biodiversity, either on-site or off-site. So a minimum of 10% net gain will be required from all relevant development and biodiversity enhancements such as bird and bat boxes uh, and beehives will be expected to be incorporated across sites. More information regarding net gain standards can be found in the Dorset Biodiversity Appraisal Protocol. The local plan also restricts residential development within 400 metres of protected heathlands to reduce human impacts upon them. Okay, right. Uh, What about green infrastructure? Well, green infrastructure incorporates a range of spaces and assets that provide environmental and wider benefits, for example, through children's playgrounds, informal green space, soakaways or cycleways. These benefits we get from the environment are known as ecosystem services. And what does the local plan say about green infrastructure? The plan makes provision to retain and enhance the green infrastructure network, which can deliver benefits to ecosystem services such as improved air quality, enhancements to biodiversity, health and well-being, uh, flood risk management and climate change mitigation adaptation. Trees also play an important role in climate change mitigation and adaptation, and the Council is committed to supporting this through internal policy with the Dorset Council Tree Planting Checklist, which was published back in April 2020. Okay, uh, and finally, how is the local plan strengthening resilience to key hazards which will increase as a result of climate change, including flooding, coastal erosion and extreme weather events? Flooding presents a significant risk to people and property. Climate change, and more specifically rising sea levels and changes to the pattern intensity of rainfall, is likely to have an effect on areas subject to flooding in Dorset in the coming years. The risks of flooding have been taken into consideration when selecting appropriate sites for development and the sequential test will be used to guide development towards areas of lowest flood risk now and in future, making allowances for climate change. Development will support high quality sustainable urban drainage systems which sustainably manage rainfall and reduce flooding impacts.
The local plan also takes into consideration the projected changes to coastline that climate change may speed up by directing development away from identified areas of coastal change. Thank you, Ollie. So if I can summarise, Dorset Council have declared a climate change and ecological emergency and are preparing a climate emergency strategy and action plan. The Dorset Council local plan is another important document in the fight against climate change as it will influence all future development in Dorset for the next 17 years. As a central objective, the local plan will direct development to the most sustainable locations to reduce the need to travel. The plan will support new renewable energy projects such as solar, wind and biomass. The plan encourages higher energy efficiency standards in new development through nationally recognised assessment processes. The local plan supports sustainable travel initiatives as well as electric vehicle charging points in new development. The plan incorporates biodiversity net gain target of 10% on all developments as well as retaining and enhancing the green infrastructure network. Finally, the plan seeks to strengthen the resilience of communities to key hazards such as flooding and coastal erosion. Can I end by thanking Ollie for taking the time to speak to me and explaining some of the measures the Council is proposing within the local plan that respond to the climate change and ecological emergency. So thank you, Ollie. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want any more information, then visit www.dorsetcouncil.gov.uk and search for Dorset Council Local Plan.